Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Feeling Seen, the podcast that talks about the movies that make us feel seen. Maybe you can hear it in the air, that special little difference. It's an in-studio recording, everybody. The magic is happening. And today, I am so excited to have a treasured person co-hosting this podcast with me. He is featured in the new horror anthology book, Haunted Reels, alongside many, many talented writers, but including friend of the show and previous guest, Ariel Vida. Uh, he has also worked on the production side in movies like Aporia, which is making its way through the genre film festival circuit now. He's worked on Disney's Haunted Mansion. Uh, he has worked on Muppet stuff, getting out there doing production work on Muppet stuff. The new Paw Patrol movie has work contributed by Malachi Moore. I am so excited to have Malachi on the show today because, as he says, self-described Renaissance man, what is it that the people need to know about you before we get started? I think you said it all, Jordan. Okay. Truly. Screenwriter. Screenwriter. We got to say that because <laughs> oh, I have... Facts. You are. You, you are. I've read your work. I, and you know what? Like you said, you are out here modeling. Like, this is a time of people who fi- who are figuring out how to do every job in order to make it work until, like, their passion pursuit or focus pursuit niche is they're able to monetize it enough to make it a full-time career. But until then, we have to be out here available to every opportunity. And that is a critical part of surviving in this industry. At facts, present. facts. Truer words have never been spoken. Um, yeah, I've, you know, I've, I've had Renaissance Man in my Instagram bio for, gosh, I think since since the early days of undergrad mm, and, okay you know well and truly then in since undergrad like that since college you were playing um football at a division one level i was prior I was. to to this era of your life so that's another that's another texture we can put into this story yeah you know it was definitely like a um maybe something i didn't realize that mm-hmm. was um going to put me through so much sure um drama and and stress but uh, it's it's allowed me to sit in the seat that I'm that I'm currently in, and I I couldn't be happier with the the progress and the and the process. Well, and before we before we get to the main question of the podcast, uh, since we have touched on the undergrad experience and Renaissance man being a way that you have sort of factored into your to your identity for some time now, including your time as a college athlete, did you find that you could? be a sort of coalesced identity of someone who enjoyed creative pursuits and elite level, like sort of constantly applying oneself, like a D1 athlete is a not fucking around kind of commitment. Like, or did you feel a sort of like a compartmentalization of yourself around that time and your various facets? Mm -hmm. You know, that's a very good question. And I think, um, I think there are layers to it. I think that I, Football was was just one one of the many sides of mm-hmm. of who I was as a person and mm. and even though I you know may have not been ready at the time to explore you know more more aspects of myself I knew that um, or at least openly mm-hmm. I knew that I uh, could do it on my own time mm-hmm. one of one of the good things I can say about uh, my experience playing football in college is um, they do not lie to you about like how unlikely it is to have a career as a football player. Damn, and, yeah. And and honestly, like I didn't need much convincing. You know, I was not yeah. trying to play football for. Gosh, <laughs> I was only trying to play football for as long as I as long as I had to, mm-hmm. um, which meant you know getting a, getting an education and mm-hmm. putting myself in a position where I could then explore more more aspects of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I came from. Uh, a very small town in New Jersey mm-hmm. where opportunities weren't exactly, you know, throwing themselves at me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've, you know, I've, I've always just, I have a, I have a drive to, to know and, and learn more about myself. Mm-hmm. And um, I certainly did that through football. There are a lot of things I learned about myself in that way. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, what I studied in undergrad and uh, gosh, the process of, getting out of you know the perspective of being a football player mm-hmm. um yeah it was it was very hard and and very stressful but again you know stressful things in life i've found <laughs> uh bring a lot of clarity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so 
Yeah, I don't actually know if I even answer the question. But no, no, we're we're finding our way. We're set, we're table setting for the rest of the conversation yeah, right now. Yeah. And what that has has set the table for for me is is getting to the central question of the character recognition. And you have selected a monumental choice, Chris from Get Out. Daniel Kaluuya's Chris from Get Out. Do they know him? Do they know I'm black? No. Should they? It seems like something you might wanna, you know, mention. Mom and Dad, my uh, my my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend, and I just don't want you to be shocked <laughs> that he's a black man. You <laughs> <laughs> said I was the first black guy you ever dated. Yeah. So what? Yeah. So this is uncharted territory for. You know, I don't want to get chased off the lawn with a shotgun. You're not going to. First of all, my dad would have voted for Obama a third time if he could have. I really gave that question a lot of thought um, because, you know, there are obviously more black male characters to choose from prior mm -hmm. to 2017. But, you know, uh, when you when you really think about it, n not really, mm. like not really at all, especially um, in film as a lead protagonist. Mm -hmm. and. You know, as a as a young millennial born in '93, there really just weren't too many options. Mm -hmm. I feel like I was born. I feel like I was brought up in a time <laughs> where I had just missed, like, you know, the shows that introduced a lot of like um, black perspectives. Mm -hmm. Where there was like, you know, TV shows like, you know, The Parkers or yep. Girlfriends. Mm -hmm. There was a lot more diversity on TV, I feel like, in the late 80s and 90s than, mm -hmm. than there were when I was growing up. Um, I mean, I mean, shout out to the Disney Channel. Like, I loved, I loved That's So Raven. I loved, mm -hmm. like, The Proud Family. Um, I loved The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, and that, and that kind of brings me to my, to my whole point. Like, for the most part, Will Smith was really mm. the only familiar face that I saw, like, both on the big screen and in television. Mm -hmm. You know, his... His 90s to 2000s run was was profoundly impactful for my self-esteem. Mm -hmm. You know, thanks thanks to Will. Shout out to Will. Uh, <laughs> thanks to him. Like, I I grew up believing, you know, truly that, like, I, I was going to be great, mm -hmm. you know. So you could feel that sense of, like, when you were watching that actor on screen, you could, like, even if you couldn't name it at the time, it was like, I feel a sense of, like, power just seeing this guy here being like hey what me too yeah because he was just so cool and like yeah. at the same time like so corny you know like <laughs> and, and that's me like i'm so cool and so corny i mean <laughs> men in black wild wild west mm -hmm. uh bad boys mike lowry <laughs> was the coolest mike lowry. mike lowry was the coolest dude ever i mean even like gosh independence day i robot mm-hmm Gosh, um, I am legend. Mm -hmm. Even Hitch, like I feel like Hitch was, you know, maybe a little, a little too far on the on the on the courtiness spectrum. Yeah. But but looking back, like yeah, like that yeah. role was so monumental because it why was, so? <sighs> because because of how corny Hitch was. Like yeah. you never see, you never see a black man like experiencing emotional complexities or like experiencing heartbreak mm -hmm. or even even just the way like he dressed and asserted himself like it was almost like i mean he he had like a, a real metro thing going mm -hmm. to him and i was like yeah i like that i like mm -hmm. the way he dresses i like the way he like i mean this man definitely got mani pedis yeah you know? <laughs> he had a skincare routine <laughs> he had a yeah. skincare routine facts and there are definitely a few outliers there other than will smith mm -hmm. Um, that I saw growing up, you know, I, I loved uh, Omar Epps. Mm. Um, I think I may have seen Blade too young oh. at uh, you know at a, at too young of an age. But God, one of the best movies. Yeah, of all I mean, time. I mean, you the and I have talked about Blade, but yeah, Wesley Snipes was that guy. Like, Wesley Snipes was Wesley Snipes was absolutely like he was one of the biggest superstars. In American cinema, he was one of the definitive superstars of my house growing up. <laughs> like the a number of times, I like get on eBay and I look at origi an original one sheet of the movie Drop Zone, in which mm. he plays a U.S. marshal who has to infiltrate a group of skydivers to solve a crime. I truly believe that he inspired like a whole movement of 
alternative black men. Like, I love Dennis Rodman. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Simon Phoenix is is the Dennis Rodman of crime. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> yeah, and, and then, of course, like, you know, White Men Can't Jump, that was a great movie. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, you know any other any other people that come to mind? I mean, as as a kid again, growing up in the '90s, like obviously Michael Jordan in Space Jam, sure, you know, yeah, was, was the coolest black man on screen. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, as I as I grow up um, and continue to to learn more about myself, like it really is not enough to only just be able to see someone who looks like you. Mm-hmm. You know, seeing someone experience like complexities and their emotions their sense of identity, their mental state. Um, all of that is so important that I don't think people I don't think people realize just how vital it is. Perspective and circumstances are are key and I feel like I mean me personally, I, mm-hmm. I just represent a very particular demographic of the mm-hmm. black experience, you know, like I'm I'm a nerd, mm-hmm. truly. Um I'm very soft spoken, some might even say shy, I guess until you have a conversation with me. Sure, sure. Um I've lived in several different areas throughout the country, most of them being predominantly white. Mm-hmm. And thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, uh, because of such, like I was, I was able to excel academically and and athletically, mm. um, but really at the expense of of kind of having a, a firm sense of identity. Mm. Um, you know, sports really filled that void for a very long time, and. Um, even when, I'm, when my mom passed in 2012, I, I just felt like, you know, even less whole and more confused than ever before. Mm-hmm. And this was really around the time that I that I turned to arts for self-expression. I was going to ask when that happened. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's when that's when Renaissance Man ended up in, <laughs> in, in the Insta bio. Yeah. Um, because, I, you know, I just I really wanted to learn more about myself Um but, you know, at the same time, I was still refusing to deal with a lot of uncomfortable emotions mm-hmm. for a very long time. And I found myself relying on other people's confirmation of who I was or, or what I did in order to feel OK. And, mm-hmm. you know, as, as a, again, like as a black man in America, that is just so, so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, which brings me to mm-hmm. Christopher Washington. Yeah. You know, Chris is someone who is the is like the shy anxious empathetic artist mm-hmm. in that movie oh, oh hey hang on chris chris i want to introduce you uh to some friends this is uh, david and marcia wincott ronald and celia jeffries hiroki tanaka and jessica and friedrich walton too many names to remember but hi <laughs> do you find the being african american as more advantage or disadvantage in the modern world. <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Hey. Yo, my man. They were asking me about the African-American experience. Maybe you could take this one. Oh. Well, well. I find that the African-American experience for me has been, for the most part, very good. Although I find it difficult to go into detail as I haven't had much desire to leave the house in a while. (laughs) What is it, coming off the heels of such inspiration from folks like like a Wesley Snipes or Will Smith, what brought you to the character of Chris? Why him? Why now? Mm, Absolutely. Yeah. I mean... Um, with with those representations that were out in in the '90s and early 2000s, you know, I mean, like I said earlier, it's it's one thing to to see somebody that looks like you, mm. but to then have a character that expresses, you know, emotional complexities with their mental state and their anxieties, and you know how how they're expected to react to their surroundings. I think Christopher Washington in Jordan Peele's Get Out is is truly like the most significant. Uh, representation that has come across I mean shit <laughs> probably ever <laughs> probably ever that's great we love superlatives here yeah, we love superlatives yeah. there are so many reasons why that movie is so impactful and, and touched a lot of people but mm-hmm. um, one of the things is is just being able to see like a, a sensitive a sensitive black man like mm-hmm. as the leading man of a movie 
truly, mm-hmm. Chris is not not a fool, but mm-hmm. his entire circumstance, like, and that's why I, I love what they do with the movie. Like, you know, in horror, your your main character kind of has to ignore all the warning signs yeah. before it's like too late, and and all of those warning signs in that movie are are you know very real circumstances of of like a black man in an all white environment mm-hmm. um he he plays it cool because it's it's almost expected of him and really tries to keep the peace in in another like family's conflict yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. i think like one of the more uncomfortable scenes for me is when they're at the dinner table mm-hmm. and the brother um, oh God, Caleb Jeremy. Jones. Yeah, what great casting, by Incredible. the way. Shout out to Caleb for growing that crazy mustache, bro. That was so scary. You ever get in string fights as a kid? I did judo after school, first grade. Aw. You should have seen me. Judo. Because with your frame and your genetic makeup, if you really pushed your body, and I mean really trained, you know, no pussyfooting around, you'd be a fucking beast. Carrot cake. Ooh. Hi. <laughs> Carrot cake. What did I miss? <laughs> oh, a whole bunch of nothing. Is talking about sports? Hey. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, after seeing the movie so many times, you know that, like, I think that whole family kind of has a problem with, with Jeremy. Like, maybe he kind of is the black sheep of the family it just like goes off the rails a bit too much. Yeah. Well, J- Jeremy seems like the sort of unmaskable manifestation of their interior malignancy. And yes. they can't they can't they can't contain him and they, they can't, can't control like him. Allison Williams' Rose is a perfectly weaponized like double agent Great of the white liberal racist woman. But like Jeremy's like Jeremy's who you you fear in a in a horror movie monster sense, like you're like, of course that guy I'm gonna walk on the other side of the street from because he's shifty as hell. Like he, that mustache is freaking me out. Like his energy is just like screaming trouble. But like everything about Rose exists to welcome you in, and this family has, and they're so good. They're so good at what they think is an ingratiating persona that Chris is unnerved by from the start, but knows he has to play nice. But Jeremy Absolutely. is just the naked screaming truth Absolutely. of their ugliness. And he and he I mean Chris is just is just so <laughs> nice and just really wants to keep the peace. I mean if he in that scene in particular he like almost like allows the the ruse to continue because he mm. plays along with with whatever Jeremy is trying to talk about his like mm-hmm. his his body and like his genetic makeup yeah. like you know he didn't. He didn't have like he could have. T- he he's the only person that should have taken offense of anything that happened in that <laughs> yeah. scene, and yet he's he's still playing along. You know, I think he's like, I think he finally answers his question, even though he doesn't want mm-hmm. to talk about MMA fighting. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> regardless, but well, well, that's like um, you know, people who are outliers in in a context like Mm. I I got the chance to interview Christina Ricci for Bullseye and she talked about how when she is you know she feels an instinctual reflex to people like she's like I'm very nice I'm very welcoming and like she's like and I like being that way with people like I like making them feel warm and and welcome she's like but I'm also extremely safety minded because I am very small so in every environment I want to make sure that people are happy with me and that they like me because I don't want them to hurt me and if somebody wants to hurt me I want them to protect me because I'm very little and she's also a public figure, which comes with its own advance, kind of like sure. noticed and sort of paranoia. And in an, in an opposite way of that and in an intensified, highly, highly intensified way of that in our America, like you are a you are a large statured black man. And, and Daniel Kaluuya is a very dark skinned black man. Absolutely. And so I would imagine you become responsible in many spaces for everyone's emotions around you. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that like because of that, um, all black people are empaths to mm. in some shape or form. Mm. It's why like I mean, even in this in this short story that I wrote in in Haunted Reels, I mm. mean it talks a lot about how black people are, you know, just in particular my my main character is is so affected by his surroundings mm. that it can it can become too overwhelming at times. Yeah. Um 
and yeah, I, I think that that is like, you know, maybe, maybe if I had, um, had more conversations surrounding like anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, a- again, like Chris is, is also shown being a very anxious person. Like mm-hmm. he's a smoker. He's always like has a nervous tick going on in the movie. Kind of, kind of the first time I saw anxiety being shown in black in in black men. Mm-hmm. And like, that was not, I want to say that like, it wasn't acceptable, but that's not even the case. Like it just, it was unheard of. Right, right, right. It it almost like doesn't exist, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy to me because I feel like we are. If anybody, are one of the, yeah, a are probably one of the more <laughs> to be like, wow, the world's group of really people. getting to me, man. Facts, facts, and you know, I I just I just think that like, um, what what I what I strive to do and and what I aspire to do is is really to just have it so that my characters are afforded the same you know emotional complexities mm-hmm. and um, nuances as as other characters do mm-hmm. in 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 filmography you know get out really does a great job depicting black people's fears and and race relations mm-hmm. uh false allies the coveting and appropriation of black bodies um and even like racial microaggressions mm-hmm. like the thing I love about about the movie in particular is, th- I, th- I think it just came out at the perfect time because those oh, yeah. the Armitages Armitages mm-hmm. plural are are not necessarily racist in in a twenty sixteen twenty seventeen era. They mm-hmm. they are white liberals, mm-hmm. you know, just just such 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 awkward situations of. Um, trying to find a way to respond to people being like oh i would have voted for obama a third term yeah. <laughs> it's like okay right. bro like one why like why did you feel the need to tell me that and two why why have we all been collectively led to believe mm-hmm. that like this was really a post-racist society just because obama was in office how do you feel now You can't move. Why can't I move? You're paralyzed. Just like that day when you did nothing. You did nothing. Now, sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. In conversation, I know I've heard you like just like colloquially use the sunken place like as a mm. part of your vernacular now. Yeah, so, yeah. like, I would if if I would love to hear you talk a bit about um, like when you heard that term and you saw it realized visually the way it was in that movie. Mm. W- was there like a sort of clicking in at that we're like shit? That is what it's like. Or like, how was that? Oh, man, that scene in particular, I think, hit a familiarity in, in every single black person that. Mm. Uh, went to see that movie. I mean, it's it's a term that that really like defines not only a feeling, but I guess something that you you see in others mm-hmm. as maybe a consequence to the society that that they live in. Now you're in the sunken place. I think they describe it in the movie as like your entire existence is only as a passenger mm-hmm. and um, you know whether it's like uh, internal or external mm-hmm. it's it's basically like subjugation mm-hmm. um, and I think there are a lot of examples that I will not name mm-hmm. um, where that where that is pretty where that is pretty clear in black men mm-hmm. um, because it's so obvious. Like, I don't think the sunken place is right. only for um, black men or black people in general. I just think it's definitely, like, the most blatant when you see it. Mm-hmm. That due to how how one is brought up or how is how one is expected to be a, a quote-unquote, um, you know, manly man. Yeah. Or... 
gosh, even even just go with the times, mm-hmm. like whether that be politically or or sociologically. Yeah, things can get things can get a bit confusing. Mm-hmm. Whether whether you yourself know it or not, and I think I think when Chris like first goes into the sunken place, just how it's how it's visualized in him, like still being able to see like through uh-huh. through his own eyes, almost as if it's like a TV screen, uh, but is just like floating there, mm-hmm. um, and is in so much pain. It's almost like. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, he's sitting it's there like silently shedding a tear as he's yeah. having to watch himself from below. Yeah, and it's... Gosh, it's just it's just so painful and, like, so impactful. But, yeah, I think I think the sunken place is definitely more apparent in in today's society mm-hmm. than, than maybe ever before. And maybe that's just because, like, we get so much access to information now. Like, we really, like, have a camera in everyone's face at, at <laughs> yeah. all times. Yeah, but, I mean, I mean, maybe that's a good thing. Like, I'm, I'm so glad that now we're even able to have conversations about, like, what, what is best for one's own psychology, mm-hmm. uh, and and how to get there, and and maybe the options that people have. Like, first things first is is recognition, and then to yeah. be able to have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, and I, I got the chance to interview Daniel Kaluuya when the movie came out, and it was it was such a fascinating time to interview him because it was. Right before this movie catapulted him into a different category of success, mm. but he, he was a veteran actor at that point. Like he'd been working for years, and there's—I mean, I feel like there's no typecasting Daniel Kaluuya because his range is so incredible and his Facts. his talent is so um, specific and, and 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 amazing that you can't like. Not, he's not going to keep getting the same script over and over again because he's just capable of too much. Um, but he too much. There was like a there was an intensity and a sort of unfiltered about him in interviews at that time because it was like, fuck it. Like, I'm not campaigning right now. Like, sure. And I have no idea how this movie's going to be successful or not. But this just hit me so hard. I had to make this movie. And he talked about how, like, you know, feeling that thing at industry parties over in London and over here in the States mm. of that, like, people needing to say, like, a quote, like, a quote-unquote, like, black thing to him in an attempt to, like, what they thought was, like, bridge building. Sure, and he has absolutely. to be responsible for making them feel like, that's okay. Like, I see what you're doing and it's cool. To keep the peace. And he talked about how, like, he was like, man, I don't even, like, he's like, I barely even go to those parties because I'm worried that if I do, I'm going to be a bad vibe. Because I just have to deal with that bullshit that I don't want to. So he kind of had started to self to like self select himself out of spaces and locations because he was like, "Listen, I'm gonna start giving off a bad vibe because people are gonna make me give off a bad vibe. So I'm just not gonna go." It's hard. It's hard, man. I, and I would say that's from like a like definitely earned, but definitely <laughs> from like a, a privileged standpoint. Like you know, any mm-hmm. any outing or anything that like I have to go to where I'm immediately awkward. It's like. Yeah, that's that is the reason. You know, mm-hmm. if I can't if I can't like fully express myself or feel like I have to keep the peace. Yeah. Um you know, it all it almost just comes with the experience. I don't think that mm-hmm. I'm like experiencing or saying anything that I mean, uh, uh, I mean, damn black man like black woman's entire existence Ooh. is is just that and I, I mean, yeah, just another reason why get out like has been so impactful. I mean, not just to me, but I think hmm. a ton of people from from what it's able to do. You know, it really does readdress like decades of erasure, abuses, cliches, and really just damaging tropes that have stained horror cinema, mm-hmm. Hollywood, and and U.S. history. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it does a great job of like reflecting our our enduring fears and traumas, and really created a subgenre of of black horror that really confirmed a lot of a lot of emotions that I experienced prior to that Mm -hmm. and I think I I don't think I'm being too extreme by saying that yeah like it it definitely saved my life and being confirmed like in in those complex emotions being confirmed Mm -hmm. in myself it's time for a quick break I'll be right back with more from Malachi Moore Then I'll have one quick thing about a few movie recommendations for Halloween that will um, satisfy very different sorts of scary movie desires. People say not to judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. 
Which is why here on Just the Zoo of Us, we judge them by so much more. We rate animals out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics, taking into consideration each animal's true strengths, like a pigeon's ability to tell a Monet from a Picasso or a polar bear's ability to play basketball. Guest experts like biologists, ecologists, and more join us to share their unique insight into the animal's world. Listen with friends and family of all ages on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. It's the final week of Co-Optober. I'm Kira Gowan, Ad Operations Specialist, and I'm here with... Daniel Barwella, Technology and Data Specialist. To cap off National Co-Op Month, we're sharing how worker-owned co-ops can benefit their communities. Read about it in our newsletter or on social media at MaxFunHQ. We're also trying to do our part. We're volunteering at our local food bank this week, and we encourage you to volunteer in your area, too. On Friday, we're announcing the donation that you helped raise in the post-MaxFun Drive sticker sale, going to five food banks across the U.S. And we want to make sure you know that this is your last chance to get our limited edition Co-op Launch Crew merch. Grab a pin, hat, shirt, or hoodie before they disappear at the end of the month. Details on merch, resources for volunteering, and all things Co-Optober can be found at MaximumFun.org slash Co-Optober. That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. Thank you so much for your support and have a great Co-Optober. Welcome back to Feeling Seen. This week, my guest is Malachi Moore. A Division I football player in college, Malachi now has a multifaceted career as a writer, model, and filmmaker. He's feeling seen by Daniel Kaluuya's Chris in Get Out. What is it that, because if, if we have a century of cinema that reinforces, like, the bet noir, like, the brutal buck stereotype dating back to mm. birth of a fucking nation. Sure, Which absolutely. played at the White House. Oh, what gosh. is it? What is it that is so scary about allowing for vulnerability to be what defines a black man on screen? Like, why is that frightening? Why is that? Why is that not allowed? Like, how how can that? If we are so afraid of this other terrible stereotype yeah. that has been created yeah. by by white artists and pervaded by white like per, like distributors, studios, and what have you for so long, why is vulnerability? And humanizing anxiety. Why is that more scary and something harder to see? That, that's think? a great question. I mean, I think it comes. I think it comes from both sides. Like, mm-hmm. I think black men have always been um, portrayed in in film uh, and in television as either um, you know monstrous or mm-hmm. or. This is a podcast. You guys can't see me quote unquoting. Yeah, air quotes, uh, air quotes. Yeah, air quotes. Uh, less masculine mm-hmm. or, gosh, I mean, any of those like harmful tropes like the fool yeah. or, you know, <sighs> Sambo. Or, you yeah. Know, we're, we're going all the way back. I think that like, you know, there's, there's a side that wants to keep um, rehashing those tropes and there's a side that wants to, um, maybe not extremely, but but definitely show a different side. And I think that subgenre of, of black exploitation mm-hmm. at the time did a lot of good for black male representation. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing uh, because they're, they're kind of like, they're not comedies now, but they're definitely like a, a way to see like how people were reacting to how um, black men were were portrayed before that mm-hmm. it was it was almost like a bit over the top mm-hmm. like i think like the i'm gonna get you sucker style of yeah the, like yeah. definitely solving like all the problems with with your penis yeah <laughs> i think um i think we've we've definitely moved away from that mm-hmm. a little bit but um you know vulnerability is is something that i think this entire country has a problem with men in sure. general mm-hmm. um and I and I mean I'm glad that I live in a time where we're we're definitely like getting away from that a little. The main point is that when you do see you know these characters that go through these things, it yeah I mean it, it humanizes them a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, gosh, I I think that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's why like I have such a a passion and and a vocation for for not only working on myself and 
and being as as intimate and authentic as I can be, but mm-hmm. also um, providing a space for my for my own characters to to do that. Mm-hmm. You know. And do you do you find that like in a in a get out world and and perhaps cinema that has been able to find platforming in a in a in a world where Jordan Peele has broken down barriers? Do you feel comfortable writing your full, uninhibited, individualized perspective into your writing? Or is that something you've come to, like, you're coming to terms with? Like, what's your sort of path with putting yourself completely on the page when, like, that kind of possibility model, that's something that arrived in 2017, which is still very recent in yeah, our lives. Yeah, very, very recent. Um, I Honestly, I think I'm still, I think I'm still coming to terms with it. Yeah. You know, more so just dealing with um, the notion that, like, I, I don't want to be a part of producing and only only showing, like, our struggle against oppression yeah. or, or black trauma just because it's been proven to sell. I remember um, having a conversation with J.D. Dillard once when he put Slight out about like mm, he, him not having an interest in making a slave drama because, yeah, because he didn't feel that was his calling. Yeah, and also, like, you know— more has happened to black people than <laughs> than just slavery. And it's been several centuries facts, since those narratives. Facts, you know, I mean, crucial it, narratives. The but more, there's been some time. Yeah, literally. But you know, I mean, the more I think about it, I think like, you know, our stories don't always have to be about the struggle against oppression. But mm-hmm. you know, the only imperative in in black stories is the same in non-black stories, right? It's mm. to convey our our human struggle, mm-hmm. whether it's you know, with ourselves or society or families or communities, I think I think maybe my work in particular deals more with the self mm-hmm. because I think that's where I've I've struggled the most, and I think that's where a lot of black men definitely struggle the most mm. is is just like self discernment, really being encouraged to step outside of of like the depictions that you see in media. And maybe just going in like a room and and writing some shit down and mm-hmm. like thinking of like what what you enjoy, and that's tough. Like there's definitely, like I said, like there's a lot of like complex emotions that I didn't deal with in college that uh, moving to LA like really really allowed me to do. It mm. was it was both a a decision to almost run away from from like my past, but also mm. be able to deal with it. And, yeah. and kind of like bloom from there. Uh, I love me some transcendental meditation. <laughs> you arrived in the right city then. You chose wisely. Facts, no facts. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think the older I get and the more um, the more I'm able to share my my own stories with people that that don't just look like me. Yeah, I think when it really comes down to it, people love honesty mm. and. And I think, you know, the more that I'm I'm able to kind of sit with myself and, and meet people and meet like-minded people, you know, all of those faces differ. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been a beautiful process, truly. Mm-hmm. What in the process of your writing has been one of your, you know, in terms of like, you know, we're talking about identity here is a, a holistic picture. Mm. What has been one of your favorite sort of details about yourself to explore through your writing or maybe figure out through your writing be like damn i keep going back to this theme or like oh man i'm really like i'm really processing this part like what's been one of the just meatiest cool things that you've liked digging into through your writing i'm I'm actually so happy you asked this definitely definitely my my own sexuality Hmm. you know as as a as a straight man Mm -hmm. um i think uh I've been led to believe that there's really only one one way to be a straight man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, in hindsight, that's just so bonkers to me because football <laughs> players are, like, the gayest. There's nothing gayer than a straight man. No, there's I could, nothing I gay, could not agree more. And there's nothing more. straighter than, than, than men in sports. So, football players gay. are the gayest men I've, <laughs> I've ever met in my life. and. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's like. I mean, that's like, it's an intimate process. You guys are all involved it's in very all the intimate. time. Like Jesus, like bodies and impact and like. It's I mean, so Jesus. intimate. Like, not only physically but like emotionally. Yeah. Like you really do rely on Ooh. the man next to you, and mm-hmm. like when you're in the trenches, quote unquote, in the trenches, like 
yeah, you you definitely form form a bond with another man. Mm-hmm. You know, we we eat together, we mm-hmm. study together, we shower together. These are relationships. It's a relationship. Yeah. And I and I, I don't I don't know like I mean, we've obviously had help from not not just like film but also music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um you know, what what it is to be a man mm-hmm. is just is just so shallow. Mm-hmm. I've come to find and mm. and lazy almost. Mm. Um, Tyler James Williams just just recently made a comment about his own sexuality and mm. how like you know being a straight man like everything is is really a spectrum. Like there's really no yeah. way, shape, or form to be a straight man. And mm. again, here we are. Here we are in like 2023, <laughs> 2022. Whenever he said it, like of this just being stated and. You know, with how much information like gets to us, it, it might have fallen on deaf ears. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's so it's just yeah, like that perspective is so important. Mm-hmm. I, I I truly can't believe that every everyone has just been okay with a shallow demarcation yeah. of of their own sexuality, and mm-hmm. it, it's it's kind of boring to be real. <laughs> yes. Like I, I I I don't just want to you know play. Call of Duty or 2K <laughs> and go to a bar and, and stand in the corner like, you know, I like to dance. I like to have fun. I like mm-hmm. to do I like to do things that feel right. And mm-hmm. like part of me figuring out, you know, who I am was dealing with like that uncomfortable situation. Like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, like, am yeah. I gay? Because I like I listen to Katy Perry in the yeah. gym, <laughs> you know, of like, course. And, you know, in hindsight, it's like, damn, dude, like, just like what you like. Yeah. You know. But, like, that's, you know, that's sort of, that's the the sort of state, the difficult state that masculinity is in to, like, I feel like we're only on the threshold of coming out of a place where a reflexive response to, you know, maybe it's different for Gen Z. I can't speak to the kids. But, like, millennials like us and up, like, the notion of, like, I'll listen to Katy, like, hey, fellas, is it gay to listen to Katy Perry? Like, why wouldn't that question be reflexive? Because that's the kind of, that's the brand of rigid masculinity that has been enforced across a ma- at a mass cultural level absolutely and and too many insecure men are just in charge and like yeah don't and 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 fearful honestly and just mm-hmm. really don't want to like you know maybe maybe consider those questions for themselves and it goes back to your question of like why aren't these perspectives being shared like to humanize black men and yeah i mean you know looking in the mirror like i'm sure there are a lot of drawbacks from current or even former generations mm-hmm. of men trying their their absolute best to portray what what we thought to believe were mm-hmm. like masculine males mm-hmm. in cinema based off the toxic tropes that were that were shown about black men mm-hmm. um wh- whether you know we think it is or not like it's it's very harmful and mm-hmm. it's 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 just a no no in my book. <laughs> <laughs> you're you know you're really you're making me you're making me realize that like I need to do I need to do more work and like I'm talking and thinking about like queerness all the time my per- my my own personal experience with it and generally but like I want to have more conversations about the the, the spectrum of straightness. I think we should because just I really the, think the we impl- should. just the statement of like the spectrum of straightness, like I feel my body like revolting when I even say it. But it's like, <laughs> no, stop doing that. Don't be a bitch about it. Because like inviting the notion, setting the table with the notion of the spectrum of it, it's like no, but explore your heterosexuality the way like yeah. a queer person can explore their homosexuality or asexuality like mine like, like but please. find the dimension in it like find the specificity of your specific existence in this and hey when you're straight you don't necessarily have to do that work because there's a lot that's just made and ready for you with examples and blessings from society and Absolutely. normativity but like don't be boring. It's it's just the path of least resistance. Yeah, I think. and I and I think maybe just in this country in particular, like we're so attuned to that. Like, if it's if it's easy, then it's right for me. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that's that is just not a perspective or really a luxury I've I've ever been afforded um, throughout my entire life. Like, life has always been difficult, mm-hmm. and it's, I mean. Again, like it's it's one thing that that football was able to to kind of instill in me is that like things that are tough, things that are difficult, are are what's worthwhile, mm-hmm. um, whether it's physical or or mental. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm not, I'm definitely not going to like yell at every, every man that I come across <laughs> the street to like paint their nails or anything. But like, how do you, how do you, you know, how do you think, how do you think your lady would feel like if you got a mani-pedi with her? Like right. the, you know, I took it seriously. Like, yeah. It's not just like as a joke, but you were just like, let's have a nice time together. There are so yeah, straight men just do not know. Like, <laughs> you know, help yourself. Help, help yourself. Help yourself. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, I, I guess the the, the, po- the the way that I would like to wrap this up with you is we are. Oh, I I just so enjoy talking to you all the time, Alki. Likewise, Jordan. Um, do you feel like? you are to your own like desire uh sufficiently accessing sort of like your imagination for what is possible for you um thank you for asking that question jordan i Mm. i think that i think i think knowing myself i think i'm a very um ambitious and relentless maybe somewhat delusional person and (laughs) you gotta be out in this town i mean that that, that's why la is like absolutely perfect for me but like you know (laughs) a, a dream is is really a delusion and and I think you know I've I've seen so many examples of dreams coming true and mm-hmm. I I know that I'm in a in a position and mindset to be able to like have those dreams come true and yeah I think that like the more I explore not only myself but um things that have come out like post get out mm-hmm. thanks mm-hmm. to the complexities that were shown in, in that man Absolutely. like great movies like um sorry to bother you mm. or uh, Waves or Loose with Kelvin Harrison Jr., mm. uh, Native Son, which was uh, a, a book prior to it coming out. Mm-hmm. But I've got I have to shout out Donald Glover, Childish Gambino yeah. for his for his uh, relentless work in showing complexities in black men. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anybody who makes anybody look more beautiful on camera than Barry Jenkins. Just flat I, out. Nobody I looks more beautiful on camera more. than if they're in a, on a, in a Barry Jenkins set. I could not agree more. Um, Gata in in Dave. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen Dave, people love before. Dave. I've not watched Dave, but the people love Dave. Dave is it, it's it's actually absurd how compelling Dave <laughs> is. But but yeah, Gata is probably the best representation of mental health in black men, like mm. like ever. Mm. Truly, um, I just started watching Sex Education, mm-hmm. where uh, Kedar William Sterling is an athlete that like deals with profound anxiety. Mm that I've never seen before and even like Big Mouth uh, mm-hmm. with with Devon and like his code switching song <laughs> you know th- these are really great examples of things that allow me to i guess like make make my my own thoughts and imagination a bit more concrete mm. in terms of how how that can look yeah so yeah i'm i'm very excited for the future like i've every day i wake up and i'm i'm able to kind of like put words to thoughts mm-hmm. and um yeah, I mean, the great thing about writing is that it's really on my own time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> for better or worse. For, for better or for worse. Better or yeah, worse. No, it, it really is. And, yeah, it's it's always a, a stressful process, but, you know, that's pretty much my middle name at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, Malachi, I look forward to seeing uh, your ambitions and your dreams get bigger and bigger over time. Likewise, And Jordan. having this little seat here to watch it. Um, and thank you so much for coming on. I so appreciate you taking the time uh, to be here. Thank you so much, Jordan. You truly are a gem, and <laughs> I appreciate you profoundly. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much to Malachi Moore. You can find his story, Desire Paths, in Dark Matters Haunted Reels Anthology. And now I have that one quick thing before I go. This time around, it will be a couple of movie recommendations for the season. Halloween approaches. And I had one that I was thinking of that's just like, it's so intense and uh, aggressive that it it felt bad just having that be the recommendation. Because I was like, wow, like what if people don't want that? Um, so it was the, the thing that the first movie that popped to my mind, if you want to have just a really stressful time watching a kind of home invasion movie that is one that might not have come up on your radar before, it is called Angst. It is from 1983. It is an Austrian horror film. I believe the English title is just Fear. 
uh, not the Mark Wahlberg Reese Witherspoon movie, Fear, a different one. And it is about um, a serial killer gets out of prison and is absolutely not redeemed uh, or repentant in either way. And he is ready to kill people again. And he ends up breaking into the home of a woman. And it is, I, I put it on just came up in the algorithm once I was like oh this looks upsetting and oh my god it is it is a deeply upsetting um very surprising very brutal movie uh if you want something that will just really get to you this one's not for everyone but if, if you're if you're looking for something intense um and maybe outside the general box of home invasion movies this one will deliver for you if you're looking to feel bad by the time you finish a movie. And then, so the second one, to bookend that, if you want a completely different tone, completely different tone, uh, the silly and surprising uh, little indie slasher from 2019, the Banana Splits movie uh, from director Danishka Esther Hazy, who I'm just so impressed by, who's also made the movies Level 16 and did the Sci-Fi Channel Slumber Party Massacre remake, she has such a way with a small budget to make movies like really good, really fun, really works within her confines extremely well. And this movie is about a little kid who wants to go see the very last taping of this children's show. And it's old and it's busted and it's a weird scene, weird vibes. Um, but the people who go to see this final taping, they end up getting trapped in the studio and the animatronic creatures that are the stars of the show start wigging out and trying and killing everyone. So it's, like I said, it's silly. It's over the top. It's giant, fuzzy, bear creature kinds of robots uh, hack and slashing people. So that should, that's the levity balance. That's the more horror comedy balance to my angst recommendation. Not really a double feature. I won't call it that. But if you just want one kind of night or the other, those are my suggestions for you. And so that's it. That's our show. Happy watching. You can follow us on Twitter at FeelingScenePod or send us an email at FeelingScene at MaximumFun.org. If you want to follow me, I'm Crew on Twitter. Our theme music is by Andrew Epen. This show is produced by Marissa Flaxbart. Our senior producers are Kevin Ferguson and Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.